previously on Popping Collars. So when Eric Killmonger makes it to Wakanda, spoilers, by the way, people, if you're listening, is that really Popping his Collar. last name? In the movie, they called it his nickname. In the comics, it is his last name. Um, it's a little on the nose. That's all. <laughs> it's a little on the nose. That's a good thing comics don't usually do that. Yeah, I mean, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, Killmonger is on the nose? Sorry, I, excuse me? I know a lot of Killmongers. Killmonger. <laughs> uh, here we go. Welcome to Bob and Gallers, the podcast that lives at the intersection of religion and pop culture. My name is Greg Knight. I am the director of Children and Youth Ministries at the Church of Bethesda by the Sea in Palm Beach, Florida. With me are my co-hosts, Betsy Gonzalez. Where are you these days, Betsy? What are you up to? Greg, I'm on the spring break at the moment. Oh, It's a staycation at the moment. I'm here in Alexandria, Virginia, where I serve as head chaplain at the Episcopal High School. And I've been watching a crap load of television. <laughs> I've been to the movies three times in the past week. So it has been a pop culture binge and catch up over here. Well, that's what spring break is for. Uh, also with me is Ricardo Avila. Welcome back, Ricardo. Where are you? What do you do? Hello, Greg. I am the rector at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in beautiful Los Gatos, California, the home of Netflix. I am going to see if I can tap into that in some way, shape, or form. Maybe they'll start a series, a Netflix series on popping collar priests or something. I don't know. <laughs> and we have we have a special frequent guest of the podcast. It's Martin Elfert. Glad to have you back on the show, Martin. Tell us where you are and what you're doing now. Hi, Greg. I'm in Portland, Oregon, where I serve as a priest at Grace Memorial Episcopal Church. Memorial, typically, that sounds like a Methodist church to me. So like what Grace Memorial, where does the memorial the name come from, Martin? One person in particular, Angeline Barry, made made the wrote the check to make the whole thing possible. And you know, wow. is this true or not? It's one of those things sort of lost in the midst of time. It's that she had uh, a beloved departed who was actually named Grace. So there's kind Ooh. of there's sort of a, that works. Interesting. Uh, How about that? Kind of a wow. double meaning, double meaning in the name. Of course, there's a theological oh, meaning. Wow. There's also we're also remembering Grace. Nice. It could have been it, her name could have been Beelzebub or something. That would have been difficult. <laughs> it, 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 that would have been that would have been harder. That's a tough <laughs> yeah. This is episode seventy eight of Bob and Colors, and our topic today is repeat viewings. So a personal story to start this off. I remember being in high school, and the song "Under the Bridge" by the Red Hot Chili Peppers was in heavy rotation on my local alternative rock station. I remember having the conscious thought, "I wonder how many more times I'm going to hear this song in my life." You know, I I, I like the song. Don't get me wrong; I'm not complaining. I think I knew at the time that this was going to be one of those songs that would just kind of always exist, either on classic rock radio. And then ancient rock radio and then time capsule rock radio. It's just a slice of pop culture that's there to be consumed over and over again. So music is certainly one of these things in our lives that we repeat frequently. And there are some movies and plays that people watch over and over again. Even some television shows earn 
repeat viewings. So a quick question for our panel, and I'm going to start with you, Martin. What's a pop culture item that you have found yourself watching or listening to repeatedly? And do you even know why? Well, I could give a lot of examples. I'm going to go for the uh, the mid '80s classic Clue, uh, one of the one of the great goofy mystery films uh, ever made. I think I return to Clue over and over again because it functions as a kind of cinematic comfort food for me. Uh, I, I'm of the opinion that Clue is the greatest film ever to watch when you're sick. Uh, so I'm I'm always pleased when it's on Netflix and I have the flu. Uh, it's it's <laughs> a movie that's sort of beautifully reassuring. It's funny. It doesn't ask too much of you. Uh, so I, I think there's there's different reasons that I go back to art, but in that particular case, I go back because it is um, like like a story from your dad that you want to hear over again, over and over again, or your mom or whoever. There's something just comforting uh, about the about the rhythm of of that. Film. I'm one of those people who used to watch It's a Wonderful Life every Christmas time. I it just always does it for me. I don't get bored, and you know when something's coming up that I'm like when he gets mad at Uncle Billy and calls him a silly old fool. Oh, I can't wait for that. But the end, I never. I always cry. Like I've never gotten through it yeah. when they're all around the Christmas tree and everyone's brought in money to save him because he's done so much for them. I just basically am a puddle on the floor of tears. Can I make it? What about you, Betsy? I've I've never seen yeah. It's a Wonderful Life before. Oh my god! <gasps> it's true. It's true. Stop I don't know. Us. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how. But I never have. Stop the wow. podcast. I know. Betsy, but, uh, you got to see it. And I think there are like there's like a real a long version, which is the true version, and there might be a an abridged version. Don't get don't see the wrong one. It's over two oh. hours. Oh wow! Okay. Okay, so yeah. not like, like the Gospel of Mark with its short ending and its long ending. <laughs> Go for the long ending. Got exactly. it. Exactly. Got it. Got it. The one where they, one where you need to keep going. Um, let's see. Okay, so aside from a growing list of things I need to see that I've never seen, I think for me it's kind of it's like generational. It's like it's like an age, right? Like movies for me. Like my sick movie was uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm-hmm. I could watch that all the time. Uh, my music slash movie of choice was Rattle and Hum by U2. Okay. And I could watch mm-hmm. that over and over and over again. And it was kind of of an age, though. You mm-hmm. know, we were talking about at dinner tonight that, like, when we were in our 20s. Like, my 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 husband's roommate had, like, about three movies that he watched on, like, a pretty constant loop. So it was, like, yeah. Braveheart, Armageddon. <laughs> And the, maybe Independence Day. Like it was like, the, right. and it was like, like crowd pleasers. Like people are going to sit down and they're going to watch it. Like that's a fun yeah. movie. Right? Like, a lot of dudes it. taking control. Dudes taking control, out of control, and they're back in control, and they're fighting against something. And so, but I think nice. I wonder whether it is kind of in the same way we talk about how our brain grows and develops, right? When our brain kind of hardens and is is kind of in its place when we're in our twenties. And so I, I always have wondered about kind of how that jives with our pop culture sensibility and what are the mm-hmm. things we'll watch over and over again. I, I am not a big rewatcher now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking about what would I rewatch if I could. And I just finished binging season two of Jessica Jones and uh-huh. I would go back and watch season one. So I grew up a comic book 
nut as a kid, right? And um, the way that, uh, especially nowadays, because they're so easy to reproduce, you know, you can get comics in like graphic novel form now. And they're designed to just read over and over and over again. Like Watchmen is designed Mm -hmm. to be read over and over and over again. And um, Batman stories and all-star Superman is one that I'll, I'll just perpetually like pick up and read. And, you know, there's something about like, I think there's something about story. Like every time I think of something that I watch over and over again, like back to the future or something like that, there's, there's something about the story that's compelling and familiar enough to kind of pull me back in every time I start watching. And, and the cool thing about those kinds of stories is that like, especially as you watch them repeatedly, they become so ingrained in you that you can kind of pick up the story at any point. I wonder if there's, if we could subdivide the rewatchable or or the re-encounterable, because it's not all watching into into two categories, the uh, the art we return to because because you do know it so well, and and because there's something wonderful about about reliving it and picking it up at any time. And I think my guess is that nine tenths of that art would be something that you encountered as a young person, like Betty uh, Betsy mm-hmm. said that that it would be fairly unusual to have a movie that you watched. I'm you know I'm 45 years old there probably will not be a movie that I'm going to see this year that will, will go into the same category as clue for me, which I encountered at 13 or something like that. 14 around the same time as Ferris Bueller's. I think there's another category of the reencounterable. That's probably about the most goofy turn of phrase I could come up with. <laughs> for thinking of that, which is, uh, is uh, a work of art, which is somehow surprising every time or or new every time. So uh, uh, four quartets. Every single time I read that that poem, there's this new element in it, and I think that will probably always be true uh, mm-hmm. as as I as I move through life. There's uh, Eliot is saying something new to me, and and you know I think one of the reasons I love scripture uh, so much is it's perpetually new, and you can encounter a story you've heard over and over and over again, uh, some really famous parable Jesus tells or some really famous uh, experience he has in his life or, or the Old Testament, some encounter Moses has. And and suddenly it's it's just brand new. Yeah, I was thinking that when you said hmm. that, Martin, about that cycle of scripture and the lectionary and every three years kind of coming back to something again. And then, and you might be in a new community or something and something new is going on. Like I'll often have kids who'll be like, how do you figure out what to, what to preach about all the time? And I'm like, cause the life happens because right. stuff is yeah. going on yeah. and, and, and what comes up is tapping in and hooking in and all these different, different ways. And it makes me think about movies too. I was just talking about, um, a friend of mine is going through a, a, a cancer cancer fight right now. Terms of Endearment came up as a movie, which was another movie that I love to watch if I had ever happened to cross it on TV. And I would be interested to watch that movie again now that I'm a mom. Mm-hmm. Coming back to that text again now that I'm not the daughter. You know, I'm still a daughter, but now I'm a daughter and I'm a mom. And I would be yelling, get my daughter the medicine. Like, I get that 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 as a moment, but I would hook in differently. Like, as you were talking, I was like, I've read Crime and Punishment twice, 
which, you know, some would call a crime and some would call punishment. Right. And, and, um, and I've read David Copperfield two or three times and I would totally go back and read each of those again because I don't know, because I just find so much in them. Well, I think there are also folks of us who are repeaters like Greg, your comment about graphic novels. Mm-hmm. Like my daughter loves graphic novels, like all up in it. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think that for people who re-encounter things, it's a way of expressing how that thing is valued by them. So it's like, I love Indiana Jones, so I'm going to watch it over and over again because that's how it has value to me. And that's how I can show that it has value to me is by watching it over and over again. I think that's kind of the Star Wars phenomenon too. Mm -hmm. It's like Star Wars means a lot to me. So I'm going to repay it by giving it my time and attention over and over again. As I say that, I think that that's sometimes a value because and this is where I'm, I get to pull my Ricardo card mm. because I've read Dickens. What? Ricardo. <laughs> You've been holding on on us. I just, I just remember reading um, Great Expectations, I think, in high school. And I loved it. I have, I have no need to read it again. Like, I have gotten what I need from that story. And I think I got it at a good time in my life. And I don't necessarily feel like I need it anymore. It's a classic. I hold it. Like, I hold that story. I still know what it is that I took away from that story. But I I don't need to read it. I never have a good answer when people ask me what my favorite film is. But I think when I'm feeling arty or mildly pretentious, I will. I'll, I'll tell them it's Wings of Desire. But I feel I feel very similarly. Uh, I don't know that I need to go back and see Wings of Desire again, because in, in a lot of respects, uh, that was a film that part of what was amazing about it was encountering that lens on reality and being surprised by it. Uh, it was just such a it was uh, such an extraordinary way of looking at reality. And I think I think I probably did see it a second time. And in the absence of the surprise, the film didn't didn't do as much for me. Umberto Eco said that after, um, after writing a novel, the novelist, if the novelist is considerate, they should die immediately so that they don't interfere with its interpretation. And I think there's certain, there's certain films, which like after you watch them, like the, the celluloid should just burn right away. Is that what right. happened with? Is that what happened with the gospels? I mean, like how rarely does Jesus interpret anything? And then he's gone. Like, right. is that, is that what, like yeah. maybe, ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> ooh. That's interesting. Well, I mean, there's definitely those movies that really get you that were repeat things. That then, when you have children, or they become that passport for new people coming into your mm. life. Oh, well, have you seen Wings of Desire? Oh, it's it's Vim Vendors, not Wim Wenders. Don't pronounce right. his name that way. It's Vim Vendors. And let me right. show you. Have you seen this movie? And if you get this movie, you get me. You know, there's that. that we we do that with stuff too. It becomes currency. Well, th- that also so, gets into like the idea of like the quotable movie too. Like I'm thinking mm-hmm. of Princess Bride. It's like a it's a movie that's designed to be watched over and over again so that you know the dialogue like the back of your hand. But it, what I also like about that movie is that it ends, you know, you know, it's got that framing device of what Fred Savage and Peter Falk, right? Yep, yep, good job. Uh, and the grandfather's reading the story to to the grandson. And then at the at the end of the movie, when that's all over, the grandson asks, "Hey, can you come back and read it again tomorrow?" 
Mm. So it's this, it's this idea that this is supposed to be consumed over and over and over again. That, like this story is supposed to be told over and over and over again. This this conversation <laughs> surfacing a question I've been wondering about for for a bunch of years, and I, it's an art question, but it's also a liturgy question. Which is what is what is the the boundary between that which is predictable and therefore tedious? And that which is sort of has a beautiful rhythm to it that you can just fall into again and 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 again. I, I, I know I know that you know for some folks a complaint about the Episcopal Church or another liturgical church is that it's the same thing over and over. And for for others of us, uh, the part of the part of the joy, part of part of what makes it uh, so integral to our practice is. It's the same thing over and over that there's there's this rhythm that you that you get into. And, you know, I, I you've mentioned Indiana Jones. I, I watched that film. I don't know. I hope it's not. I hope it's not bad form to liken that to liturgy. Maybe I'm getting into trouble here. But I, I watch I, I find some, you know, I find this. this it's in a Spielberg Lucas zone. So I think sure. it's safe. Sure, yeah, right. Right. That's good. Borderline canon. Yeah. Uh, because that I. I <laughs> The, the predictability is part of what I'm drawn to, but other times you, you see a film and like, it's a total knock on the movie. Like, Oh, I saw the ending coming 45 minutes away. Like I knew he was the bad guy the first time he walked in. And that was really, that was dissatisfying. And I, I don't know that I can quantify why that border exists, but, but I can, I, I sure experience it really differently. Spoken like someone who's messed around with liturgy at a church. Because <laughs> then once you mess around with it a little bit, you try to offer a little variety and, hey, let's, let's do this. Like big, like push, like let's do the modern language version of the Lord's Prayer. And people oh, are like, God. what is going on? Why? This, what are you doing? This isn't the real Lord's Prayer. This is the fake one. <laughs> right? <laughs> Like, this I, isn't I, what know, Jesus said. Right. Well, having, <laughs> what I found really interesting is like I'm living, we're living in a community where we, our chapel services were fairly passive for the people who were there. I mean, our chapel lasts, we have it three times a week, 15 minutes a pop, right? It's fast. And so we have taken a stab this year at really adding and making you know, some call and response and some different things. And here's three or four Psalms that we're going to do throughout the, at the year. We're going to, you know, say them this way, that way, balcony, this guys, girls, grades, you know, and, and trying to build some tradition around our liturgy so that our kids will walk out and be like, I know what the school Psalm is, you know, or I, I know that prayer. I know the prayer of St. Francis, or I know the prayer of St. Teresa or, you know, just these touchstones that then, you know, maybe down the road, they'll include that in their wedding or they'll do something with it or it'll hit some note for them that it can strike them in another time and place. And, and that I've tried to figure out where I can push and where I can't. Now we have both versions of the Lord's prayer friends in the thing, but I have not deployed that moment yet. Yeah, I mean, there's an element with ritual that is in, in repeated ritual. There's just a reencountering mm-hmm. of something, um, and even when we are, if we're only baptized one time, we still do the baptismal covenant every time we do it, and everybody does it together. Like you're re-encountering that moment. I don't know what it is about liturgy, but it, maybe it's a historical heft, or there's just something that makes it pregnant with meaning mm-hmm. that you come and you do the same thing. 
every week. And people go away and go, that was a beautiful service. That was a beautiful service. It wasn't that different from last week. I mean, there was a different sermon and different hymns were sung. Um, but I wonder, people probably come to church for comfort and for some grounding and stability in an otherwise maybe chaotic world or otherwise dull world that somehow this kind of sameness uh, has some spirit in it. Um, but I think parts of the service are dull or I kind of glaze over I'll get in trouble for this, but what can I say? I'm the rector. Uh, no, the ni- <laughs> Deploy the rector. That's right. The Nicene Creed. I just, you know, I get it. It's good to say. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of paging through what's next, if I don't remember. And um, I will confess, I when I'm saying the Eucharistic prayers at the altar, I'm in it. I'm there. But when I'm in the pews, I zone out. And I sometimes see people yawning in the pews. Now, I brought this up to a few parishioners once, kind of jokingly, and they were like, no, that's, my, that's the best part of the service for me. So mm-hmm. you just never know. You know, it's, it's funny. When this topic first came up, one of the things that I thought about, because, and I think it touches on this very thing that you're talking about, Ricardo, where people find meaning and understanding and even are moved by ritual, is... Um, Midnight movie screenings. So things mm. like Rocky Horror and stuff like that, where there's a ritual to actually watching the movie. There are things that you are supposed to do as an audience member while the movie's playing. And you're supposed to do it in a very specific way. And you're supposed to do it exactly the same every single time. And there's something comforting about it. And there's something entertaining about it. And there's parts that people really love uh, in participating in it. It's like a church service a little bit. There's parts oh, that are boring. Full on, there's full-on vergers at Rocky Horror Picture Shows. I mean, yeah, they're there. They're there, the yeah. audience. On the, the other thing I was thinking is that the other thing about those Rocky Horror experiences or even just midnight movie experiences is how different they are if you're experiencing them by yourself. Mm. Like, if you're watching Rocky Horror by yourself at your home, you realize how terrible a movie it is. It's not. It's not. It's not good. <laughs> um, but when you're watching it at midnight with all of your closest transvestite friends, it's a blast. It's a blast. Yeah. And um, and that's that's the thing. There's a community element to some of these shared experiences. I think ritual requires community. If you're going to do something over and over again, you better do it with a bunch of people. You know, you're not going to throw popcorn at their TV screen when you're home alone or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that funny that there's, there's activities that you would be, uh, you'd be embarrassed to be seen doing in public. These are things which I must do privately. And then there's other things that you'd actually be somewhat embarrassed to do on your own. Like that, <laughs> to do that entire Rocky Horror ritual <laughs> by, by yourself would be a pathetic exercise. I was, I was throwing toast off my balcony the other day and I did get some looks. I think Greg practices at home before going to Rocky Horror. He practices the whole movie. I probably do. I probably do. I'm not going to say. Can we move on to, can we talk about music for a little bit? Yeah. I find it so powerful that Mm -hmm. the over and overs are like, uh, that's why I actually have a mixed, uh, mixed uh, thing on my iTunes called over and overs. And it's songs that I like to hear a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're usually they're mostly sad, <laughs> but hey, 
Yeah, I think we've really tapped into something that I think is a common thread and probably at the source of what it is that we're talking about when we're talking about repeated things, which is feeling. It's this it's this idea mm-hmm. of like feeling art and make and, and how art makes you feel. If Van Gogh makes you feel something, you want to share that with people. You want to say, like, look at this artwork. It makes me feel X. It makes me feel Y. I think this, the stuff that is over and overs for me, the, the re-encounterable stuff, is when I can, like, sympathy for the devil. <laughs> right. I have been home alone playing that, and I sing it. I know the words. And there are times I'm a little worried. I'm like, I think I'm possessed right now because I'm like, tell me, baby, what's my name? You know, in that falsetto voice that Mick Jagger has. And I'm just like jumping up and down. And um, But there's something about, it hooks you. And Smith's yeah. songs, morose Smith's songs were from a time and a place when I was a morose person. And it brings all that out. And I, I think maybe there's, and when people love a sermon that you've preached because it spoke to them about something that they're struggling with in their lives. Maybe there's that inhabiting that happens there. At this point in the show, the host would throw to the person who has a staff pick, but it's awkward for Greg to throw it to himself. So I'll throw it to Greg. So Greg, you have a staff pick. What is it? Dear Betsy. So I went, I recently went and saw the motion picture Annihilation starring Natalie Portman and Tessa Thompson. Is and Jennifer it. Jason Lee, right? Jennifer Jason Lee is in it. And what and I Gina hope Rodriguez. is coming across, and Gina Rodriguez, and what I hope is coming across in this cast list is that it's a lot of ladies. It's a lot of women. Because I think that that's important for what it is that I really liked about this. So I've got a hot take. Hot take. Hot take. Um, hot take <laughs> is that I wasn't a big fan of the Ghostbusters movie that came out. A couple of years ago, um, that was also all ladies. And I, you know, I appreciate it, but I thought, you know, like the third act CGI, it was just kind of like, I don't know what's happening. This is kind of a weird movie. Um, and Two another very hot- different genres. Listeners, this, is, this, is a, this is a show of revelation. And so wow. if I just want to pause your, your pick, Martin. You need to come up with something revelatory by the end of the stack pick because we all have had jaw droppers. We all Aww. need to get one. Think about I'll it. I get thinking. Okay, back to Greg. And I, I like it. I like that the movie exists. Father of just, two I girls. Just, Keep going. I just, I just didn't like yeah. the movie. <laughs> What's the problem? Okay. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is that this is a movie that has an all-female cast where all of the women are scientists and all of them have 
different interests and what motivates them in this movie. It's sort of Natalie Portman's husband is affected by it. But for the most part, what motivates these women into driving the plot forward has nothing to do with men and has everything to do with their abilities and their capabilities as women. And it has everything to do with like something that they're searching for and something that they're exploring. And it has, you know, it has themes of life and um, themes of cancer and themes of mirror and themes of, um, of uh, what it is that we strive against just to stay alive on this planet. And it's, wonderful in my mind because it's something that you don't see very often is a a, a female driven uh movie where um where they are perfectly capable and don't have to have any men to motivate any of their actions and it's beautifully shot and it looks amazing on the screen and I, I came away from that movie thinking, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish people would make as big a deal about this movie because it's not going to be in theaters anymore because nobody went to go see it. I wish people would make as big a deal about this movie as they did about dumb movies like the Ghostbusters <laughs> movie and stuff. Like, I wish, I wish a smart film like this that was all female led and all female driven would get the type of buzz that we say that we want these movies to have. And it's, and, and I think that what I get frustrated about with this industry is that it's movies like this, that Hollywood producers point to and say, see, nobody wants to go see a movie about women. And I, and, and so I think that, I think that not only do I like the movie, I think that it's a good movie to support. So that's my take. So Annihilation, I, I thought the, 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 the central characters were good. I, I really did like that. And I found the idea really intriguing, but I didn't see the point of it in the end. Like, so why was that? And what was the thing of it? Because they were bringing out some other psychological stuff, the, the brokenness that they brought into this mm-hmm. mission. And I wanted it to mean something. Was I felt thing? about this movie, after the movie was over, I felt the same way I felt after watching 2001. I, I think that this happens sometimes. I think that there are those movies that speak to us for whatever reason. And this movie really spoke to me. And you you kind of start to see yourself pulling for a movie. You know? mm-hmm. And I've kind of been pulling for this one. Well, thank you, Greg. Good job, Greg. For that staff pick. I'm- you can find Poppin' Colors on the web at poppincollarspodcast.com. You can find us on any of the social media platforms. Uh, just type Poppin' Collars into the search bar and you'll find us. Um, also, of course, you can get our episodes uh, wherever it is that you download your podcast, whether that be SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. All we ask is that you subscribe, rate, and review the show. Uh, that'll get us in front of some more eyes. By the way, if you want to support eyes. our show, oh, don't look at us in front of more ears. There you go, there you go. <laughs> but, <laughs> by the way, if you want to support our show, uh, you can buy yourself a awesome-looking T-shirt. We have t-shirts for sale. Just 10 bucks. And you can find them at poppingcollegepodcast.com slash t-shirts. And if you're going to be at General Convention this summer in Austin, we're also going to have some buttons, too, of varying colors. See if you can collect them all. Oh, got to catch them all. That's poppingcollegepodcast.com slash the letter T hyphen (laughs) S-H-I-R-T-S. Get yourself a shirt. I'm glad you specified (laughs) 
I don't want people getting confused. No, no, because that's that's a big risk. You could be totally the wrong website. You never know. Yeah, never I was gonna know. type in T E E literally, and that's then a space. A, see, and that's that's a porn site. Poppingcollegepodcast.com/slash t. That's a porn site. See, you would have been, you would have been really up the creek. There. You get fired. <laughs> You're already in trouble. Watch out. <laughs> All right. You know what's not a porn site? Episcopalcafe.com. We love Episcopalcafe.com. And we know you will as well. Check them out for all your Episcopal news needs to be on. <laughs> and with that, that is Popping College for this time. Thank you, Betsy. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Ricardo, for coming on the show. We will see you next time. Keep those collars popped.